Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. What is up, football fans? This is Danny Austin. This is the Live from the 55 podcast. We are here in our Marta Loop, Calgary, Alberta studios. It's Labor Day Classic week. The vibes are good. The heat has broken just a little bit here in Calgary. Honestly, guys, I'm feeling hyped. We're coming off an exciting game. Weekend of CFL games, I should say. Um, We have the biggest weekend of the year coming up. Yes, that's right. We have... The every eight-year classic, the BC Lions and Montreal Alouettes, the one we're all excited for on Saturday, September 2nd. Then on Sunday, we have the Winnipeg Blue Bombers at the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and then followed by the big the big Monday, the, the traditions, the Toronto at Hamilton, and then Edmonton at Calgary, two provincial rivalries, two, well, a game that I grew up with, with Toronto-Hamilton the one I never wanted to lose as an Argos fan. And then now me being the guy who covers the Calgary Stampeders here for the Herald and the Sun, obviously the the Battle of Alberta, um, a game that a couple weeks ago I thought was going to basically be a nothing game where, you know, the provincial rivalry was going to be the whole thing. And now I look at it and I'm pretty excited. The Elks have won two in a row. The Stampeders have lost three in a row. There's actually a lot of stake here. This is a, a weirdly big game, um, but they're all big games, honestly, every single one of those. And I am excited about them. Um, yeah, I mean, what I'm not going to do here, every once in a while, and I have no problem with it, I, I, I do want to be clear, I'm not out here judging people, be a fan, however you want to be a fan, but you know, you get these arguments. I used to participate in them, which is the biggest later game. Um, you know, you hear the arguments, the biggest markets are obviously Regina and Winnipeg, so that one's got to be the biggest, but then uh, Calgary, Edmonton, that's provincial, Toronto, Hamilton, you know, a lot of history there. I don't care. Guys, honestly, there are so many frustrating things about the CFL. There are so many things that, you know, you just scratch your head out and say, why don't we have stats? Uh, why did the wrong All-Stars get sent out? You know, all these all these negatives, you know, it tends not to matter to me once the playoffs start because the playoffs are so much fun and the Great Cup week is, is, is such a magical tradition that I am so proud to be have been a part of. And then honestly, like Labor Day, man, we get Labor Day right in this league, uh, you know, year after year. The same three big matchups. I couldn't care which one's biggest, which one's smallest. Uh, I just, I just love them all. This is a weekend where, you know, I get to clamp down, and and, and really, I guess, reflect on the summer a little bit, but also just, uh, just get excited. And I, depending on what team you follow, what team you cover, you know, they say that the season doesn't start until Labor Day. I can say that when I was covering those sort of Stampeders juggernauts from 2016 to 2018, that was always something you laughed at and sort of dismissed because you know, hey. Your team's ahead in the standings. 
look how much work they've already done. They've already won all those games. So, of course, the season doesn't. But then when you're covering a team, we're cheering for a team that isn't quite as good uh, the way I certainly am this year, isn't getting the results. The season very much. You say, hey, season starts at Labor Day. If we make a run here, anything's possible. Look at all the look at the history of all the teams that get hot. And, you know, outside of probably being an Argos fan or, or a Bombers fan, I think every other fan base in the league sort of has something to believe in right now, has to believe that this back half of the season, it's a new year. If you get, if you get hot, you win five, six games. You're probably in the playoffs. That's the reality. That's any of these teams. You know, people keep saying, oh, is it eight wins in the West? Is it seven? I, I don't have the exact answer there. But, you know, I know that the Stampeders, they took time off this week. They took, they got back four in the morning, I think Dave Dickinson said, from Toronto on Saturday, decided not to come in on Saturday for their traditional rundown. And then they decided something very brief Sunday, and then Monday, Tuesday, just totally off. Players would come in, work out, get treatment, you know, work on their bodies. But, you know, just just, just take that time completely to themselves and, and and step away from the game, get a little bit of a reset and, and a reboot. And that's what this back half of the season is. And it starts now. You know, it doesn't start in two weeks when they've played the Elks twice. It, it starts now. And I think that if you're the Riders, imagine what a win against the Bombers would mean right now. Uh, this Riders team is hanging in there. A lot of people aren't. Not giving them credit for the way they're hanging in there. Losing your starting quarterback is no joke. And I, I think that they're coming off a win over the Lions. They got a bye week last week. I'm right about that. I don't want to be completely wrong. Yeah, bye week last week. I was right. Didn't need a check. Look at me trying to do my due diligence, though. But yeah, look, a win over the Bombers would be huge. Uh, and the Lions right now, I, I did this in my intro last time. They've lost three or four. The Alouettes are coming off a, a, a Really rough beat down at the hands of the Bombers. And then the Elks in Calgary, you know, one of them two and nine, one of them is three and eight. All of those teams have hope. This is not, this is a couple weeks ago, we weren't saying that. I definitely had the Elks ruled out. But, you know, teams have won games, teams have lost games. I think that every single team right now should feel like they are capable of going on a run. And that starts Labor Day, which is sort of perfect, you know, sort of exactly what you want. You want every team feeling like they have something to play for. And that's, that's certainly true. Um, I've got Jerry Modijan, my colleague with Post Media, um, up in Edmonton, writes for the Journal in the Sun. He is going to be dropping by a couple minutes here. Going to be joining me. Jerry is one of my favorite guests. When we talked to him earlier in the season, poor Jerry was beat down. Um, you know, he's covered some bad teams over the last couple of years. And uh, Jerry, Jerry, you, you could sense how how frustrating it was to go day after day to Commonwealth having a government team that just couldn't do anything right. So a lot has changed since then. He's going to be sleeping on my couch for a couple nights this weekend. He's a tall man. I don't know that my couch is tall enough for him. I'm going to have to figure that out. But, you know, excited to have him on and, and talk a little bit about the Calgary Edmonton series as well as everything else going on around the league. But, you know, before we do that, I guess we can take a brief look at, at each of the games. This, hey, if we're going to make jokes about the stats, I do want to want to give CFL a bit of a shout out. They send out this weekly CFL this week email. I don't know if it goes on the website or what, but it, uh, you know, there's a ton of good information in there and they've, it was a great email this week. They clearly put their work in, um, lots of information. Like for example, I didn't know that Mike O'Shea is three and five as a head coach in the Labor Day. Who would have thought Mike O'Shea has pretty much been winning nonstop for all these years, but losing record as a head coach in the, Labor Day Classic for the Bombers. Uh, I'm sure he doesn't lose all that much sleep about that. Let's be honest about this. This is Mike O'Shea we're talking about. Um, but, hey, fascinating. Anyways, you know, we start with BC and Montreal. The big one, the one we're all talking about. Uh, apparently, the last time they played is was in 2015. 
Um, but it's their 14th meeting in the Labor Day Classic Series, which we're still calling it the Labor Day Classic Series, even though these teams haven't played in years. And this is really not a Labor Day Classic Series. But according to the CFL, their first meeting was September 1st, 1980. And there's a series, again, we're calling it a series, a 7-6 edge to the BC Lions. Uh, I don't know, guys. Like, I'm not, I'm, anyway, give this one. The whole Labor Day thing. It doesn't matter the point. These are two teams that need a win. Uh, these are two teams that I think are hovering sort of right below the Argos and the Bombers as the top teams in the league right now. Um, I dropped them out of my top tier last weekend. I, I do think that there's a sort of 1A, 1B, and then, you know, everyone else. And I think BC and Montreal are right below that. Um, I think BC having lost three of four, that's obviously deeply concerning. And in Montreal, Really, the adjustments that the Bombers made in the second half last week, I think we saw, you know, they're on a different level. But look, this is Vernon Adams' first game against his former team. Um, I think that's an interesting storyline. Uh, obviously, you know, Vernon really came into his own as a starting quarterback in Montreal. Uh, he'll be playing there. I hope the fans give him a nice reception and never did anything to hurt anybody. And yeah, whether or not this is a Labor Day weekend mainstay, who cares? Uh, lots of intrigue here. Both teams badly need a win. I mean, if the Lions drop four or five in a row, man, what are we talking about then? It doesn't really feel like we should be taking them quite as seriously uh, as we were a little while ago. There's lots of other teams that have had better records since the start of August, that's for sure. Um, then, you know, on, on Sunday, one of the big ones, if not the big one, massive game in Saskatchewan. Bombers, Riders, as I said, Mike O'Shea, three and five as a head coach. I just think that bears repeating because... You just assume that Mike O'Shea has a winning record and everything, because why wouldn't he? Um, you know, that team has been so good for the last three, four years. But apparently, Labor Day Classics have, have been the bane of his existence. But on the other hand, Zach Kolaris, apparently 6-0 and in Labor Day Classics, 3-0 and for Hamilton, 1-0 and for the Riders, and 2-0 and for Winnipeg. Uh, 13 touchdowns and three interceptions uh, in that. He's also passed for 300 yards on three occasions and 400 yards once. So... You know, Winnipeg swept this too. Look, I'm not picking against the Bombers right now. That's just like fact. I just can't. I think that, yeah, they've they've shown maybe slow starts are maybe a little bit of an issue for them. But you know, they fell behind 22 nothing to the Elks earlier in August, and then obviously that was a really really close first half against Montreal. The, the problem is like, how much do I actually want to come out and say, oh, I'm I'm concerned about the the Elks slow starts when they're just smashing teams late in games. Um, that. That matters a lot. So, I don't know. Uh, somewhere in here I saw that Zach Claris, yeah, this is, again, CFL this week. Shout out that email. Um, or I guess it's this week in the CFL, presented by OK Tire Labor Day Weekend. Um, that's the official name of the email. But I didn't realize that Zach Claris became the second quarterback to throw two pick sixes in the same game and still lead his team to victory, with Anthony Calvillo having done it twice in 2004 and 2006. Uh, interesting stat there. Um, Brady Oliveira. I'm just reading stuff. This is not this is not good radio and certainly not good YouTubing. But yeah, I don't know. What do you want me to say? I, I'm impressed by the riders. I really am. I'm impressed by the fight that that team has shown. I'm impressed by the fact that, you know, when Trevor Harris went down, a lot of us ruled them out. Right now they're sitting comfortably in third place in the West Division. Um, they're hanging in there. They're they're making life tough on, on the teams behind them trying to chase them. And that's all you can ask for a team. So it's like, what are you going to say bad about the riders? I think that right now they are doing what they have to do to, to stay in the fight. Do I think that they're going to win either of these two games against Winnipeg? Probably not. Winnipeg's really good, but I don't know. They've earned my respect, and I expect that the Riders are going to be 
be there at the end of the year. Um, yeah, I just, I, I honestly, I'm, I'm really impressed. And I'll admit that I was wrong about them. I thought when Trevor Harris went down, they were going to be, you know, completely hooped. Shout out Sean Bain, by the way. Really enjoyed covering him in Calgary. Um, then we move on to Monday. Argos, Ticats. I don't know. What do you say about this one? Uh, I had the Ticats completely written off. And then they go into BC. One of the weirdest games of the year. I honestly, like, I'm still trying to work out how I'm supposed to talk about that game. Because I just did not, on any level, see a Ticats win over the Lions coming. Blows my mind. Can't even, can't even um, really wrap my, my head around that one. Um, also, shout out to Varus Daniels. We're just going to shout out all the receivers who I have covered at one point or another in my career. But yeah, he's on pace for his first uh, thousand yard season. You know, he just always gets between what, 780 and 900. And now he's on pace for a thousand. Love that guy. Good to see it. Um, I don't know. We all know the, the story here. Toronto right now. I still have them as the number one team in my league, although I do admit every time that I say that, that that's largely based out of sort of respect for what they've done. They did get banged up. Losing to Sean Amos. They lost a couple a couple starters against the Stamps. So we'll see. They have now had three bye weeks. They are the best rested team in the entire CFL, and they are on a run of games with very little rest coming up. So, you know, they got to they gotta show it to me. This is – I've got the Argos number one, but not confidently, and I, I, I do think right now keeping this up is, is going to be a, a tall task, and I think that the Bombers are right on their heels. But, yeah, anyways, 52nd edition of this East Division East – Labor Day Classic. Uh, the Argos have won the first two matchups of this season. And I guess they do meet a fourth time. Remember they played four times in like five weeks last year? All for that TV show. That was weird. That was, uh, that was, see, that was crazy, man. Anyways, apparently the Ticats are 36-14-1 in this series historically. But, you know, the Argos did win last year. The Argos have clearly, like, they're the better team between these two. Um, and, I don't know, apparently Hamilton took nine of the previous ten. What do you say? I I obviously expect the Toronto Argonauts to win this game. I don't think that there's any I, I don't have any hesitation saying that. I think they're the better team. And let's see it though. Um again, I just can't make sense. Like, what am I supposed to say? I cannot make sense of the Thai Cats flying across the country and beating the Lions last weekend. It blows my mind. Don't understand how it happened. Maybe they're just secretly a team that's just ready to go. They do have good players. So, anyways, and finally we wrap we wrap up with Edmonton and Calgary. Um, this is bizarre. I did not realize this, and I should have realized this because it's my job. These two teams have played 62 times. The series is tied at 30, 30, and one. Like, what are the chances of that? Uh, you, you look back, the way the Stamps have just sort of dominated the league for the last 30 years um, or sort of been consistently one of the top teams in the West, It's you just expect them to maybe be ahead. But, you know, the Elks were very good for a very long time. This is an old series. But tied, 30, 30, and one. Um, oh, and the Stamps have won. I've won nine of the last 10. So, yeah, apparently the Elks were far ahead and are not anymore. So my whole, given the Stamps' recent dominance, well, this is the byproduct of that. Anyways, um, yeah, we got Jerry on, so I'm not going to belabor the point here and, and, and talk for too long about this Calgary-Edmonton game. But I've said this many times, my first ever game sort of as a full-time beat reporter was the 2016 Labor Day Classics. It's one of the most... Uh, important moments of my career it was a, a really special it was special just to you know be stepping up taking on this additional responsibility uh this new role role that i at the time you know felt like it really worked worked hard to get to and, and had been waiting for and for it to be that big game with all that excitement there's there's really nothing nothing that compares to it and i can't wait i'm just so excited guys it's labor day i love labor day followed by you know september and october 
I, I, I know this, that I always look back, and it's the weird thing about having this podcast now and talking about it. I always look back at August, and I'm like, what was I thinking? Because things do change so much. Um, but it all starts with Labor Day. I can't wait. Hopefully tons of Edmonton fans can get down. I hate that it's a 5 o'clock start. It makes it harder for those fans to get back. This is the game that should be held in the early afternoons so that people come from all over the province can come and celebrate. And, you know, summer turns to winter pretty quick. So, um, yeah, that's that. Um, guys, we have Jerry Motors on. Let's go to him. Guys, let's say you're having a party. Let's say you're having a picnic. Let's say you're having any occasion. Got to talk to you about Fraser and Fig. I love these guys here in Martin Loop, a couple storefronts down from our studio here. Fraser and Fig, man, these guys do these delicious elevated cheese and charcuterie boxes. You know, they're made with all these fresh artisanal ingredients, on demand grazing, pickup, delivery. You got it. Just let them know what you want. They will get it to you. Honestly, I'm such a big fan. I had a picnic a little while ago. I brought one of their curated boxes and it was a huge hit. I looked great. People loved it. We're hungry. They weren't hungry anymore. These ready-to-go boxes, they got them in four sizes. All their boxes come with meat, cheese, dried fruit, fresh fruit, nuts, olives, pickles, and carrots. Their selections vary from month to month. Choices are always new. You know, just because you've had one doesn't mean you've had them all. I love Fraser and Fig. I love having them as a sponsor. They're the best. Make sure you check them out. Tell them by from the 55 sent you. All right. Jerry Motorjong from the Edmonton Journal, from the Edmonton Sun. Buddy, we had you on earlier in the year. I recall. You were... You were uh, you were in the my favorite mood. I want to be clear, but like <laughs> it was, it was might have been my favorite of all my podcast guests. Oh um, man, you were you were down in the dumps though. Where where is your mood as it pertains to your to, to covering the Edmonton Elks every day right now? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's any better, Danny. To tell you the truth, I mean, yeah, they they've they've won a couple of games since then. They appear to have turned a corner. Uh, I think back then, and I had fun on that pod. It was uh, a free-falling 360-degree spin all the way down, uh, and we didn't know where rock bottom was or was yep. going to be. Uh, every week it was like, okay, is this it? Is this as bad as it gets? Oh, they allowed you know a single point to dictate the game when it got booted over the, uh, the return man's head and, and he left it in the end zone. Nope, I guess that's not rock bottom. We'll see. And then, oh, hey. Uh, and it's just been all along, along, along. And then, oh, man, up 22 nothing against Winnipeg three weeks ago. Like, wow, this is uh, this is amazing. You know, this Trey Ford kid comes in and uh, all of a sudden sparks some light. Oh, nope. They let that lead go and they lost again. They just kept finding new ways, new ways to, to lose and, and shoot themselves in the foot. So and there is no way that that Winnipeg loss is, is rock bottom. Like rock bottom had like, at least there was some hope. Right. And right. Like, I can now joke about the Elks a little bit. Cause it's not, cause like they're not imminently going to literally just get banished from the league. Um, but like rock bottom had to be just getting shut out by the lions for a second time. Oh, and just, yeah. just yeah. Chris Jones refusing to pull Taylor Cornelius from the game and watching that poor. And I really like, I'm not making fun of him here. Very rarely in my life as a sports fan, sports media, whatever, have I looked at someone and been like, oh, I just feel bad for them. Right. And I, right. And, I just and wanted, like, I just wanted, like, someone to give Taylor Cornelius a hug because, like, it wasn't fair yeah. what they were doing to him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what's, what's worse, Danny, is, is yeah, Trey Ford has come in and, and looked good under Jarius Jackson because, of course, the, the starting QB and the OC were changed at the same time in that week eight bye. Uh, 
you know, which appeared to have sprung this uh, this rebound. Uh, and, and then they got into that, you know, they came out immediately, put 22 points up on Winnipeg, who's the top team in the division. Uh, but you're right, those, those back-to-back losses certainly uh, didn't help when, you know, the, the board of directors comes into to bye week and they're like, okay, like, Victor, what are you going to do, right? Like, he was still around at the time, president and CEO. <laughs> Uh, and so, so, uh, I mean, I wonder how much of it was, was Chris Jones choice, how much of it was pressured from up above him, but, uh, yeah, those were the changes that were made, but you know, the worst part, we're as, as much garbage as, as Taylor Cornelius has, has eaten and shown at the same time. I mean, I, I can't stand up for the guy at all, but it, it would really be nice to, to satiate my curiosity to see how Taylor Cornelius would be doing under Jarius Jackson play calling right now. Uh, and that's not taking anything away from Trey Ford because he's he's shown something no other QB has been able to do. Uh, and I'd argue even over the last couple of years, uh, just flashes of brilliance and uh, and certainly been the spark they need. But yes, it's quarterback, but a lot of it is a play calling. How about a couple of weeks ago when we saw on second and one? Now Taylor Cornelius has been bumped down to to third on the depth chart in, in the QB stable, but he's still coming back out and, and doing their short yardage. So he trots yeah. out for a second and one. And, you know, tries to sell it that he's going to dive ahead, pulls it up and lobs it up. And A.C. Leonard, of all people, you know, makes a, makes a catch for 45 yards, uh, you know, former T.E. turn uh, defensive lineman. It's the longest catch of the guy's career. And, and <laughs> you know, but it's just the play calling at that point. It all of a sudden just blows your mind a little bit because, like, hold on, there's a wild card element here that, that these Elks have certainly not shown before under Stephen McAdoo, which, I mean, his – his MO seemed to be, let's just bash our heads against the wall until something works. And tell you what, eight weeks into the season, nothing's working. So they made these changes. Well, again, and why I brought up the Taylor Cornelius thing again was not to bash the guy. Like, I, I don't have anything bad to say about Taylor Cornelius at all. Um, just in part because I don't care enough about the Elks to really, like, get frustrated about it. It was just like there does come a point, and I, against the Lions um, a couple weeks ago, you know, it was the fourth quarter. The game was lost, and the Stamps pulled Jake Mayer. Yeah. Don't don't put him out. Like you know, they put in their third stringer because Tommy Stevens. And and that's not to compliment the Stamps, but I like when the game is lost. I don't think that you just stick your starting quarterback out there. You know, like right. he was so dejected. You could see that the offensive line was just beat. They had nothing left. And like I just don't think that that's. I mean, again, I, I've criticized Chris Jones for this, like much more so than anything else that I've criticized him for. I just like I just don't think that's fair. Like your your player is already. He's failed on the night. Yeah. Don't yeah. don't force him to go out there and just eat it again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I totally get that. You, you don't care about the Elks. And that's exactly what this team up here is trying to avoid their own fan base or whoever's left of it anyways from continuing to, uh, you know, on with that erosion of, of, you know, anger and frustration into apathy. So uh, the last time we saw Taylor Cornelius in a start, he was getting booed off the field with six seconds or sorry, six minutes to go still in the third quarter. Right. I mean, just too many, too much inconsistent. Well, it wasn't inconsistent. It was consistently overthrowing, underthrowing or interception is, and you didn't know which one was going to come, uh, which is wild because you see the guy or he was going to get hit hard. Like that's like, he was getting, he was getting sacked so much. Yeah, they're getting rid of the ball faster. They're they're not requiring Trey Ford to throw as often now. Uh, a lot more. It's it's the Sally, the the RPO games on on point. Uh, I mean, he's picking up 50, 60 yards with his own legs per game. Uh, 
Uh, it's just such a change. Uh, and, you know, may, maybe not surprising to see that, uh, you know, these, these guys are, you know, won two of their last three since the changes were made. That being said, it, you know, incremental movements. Yeah, it's been one step forward, two steps back for a long time here. But it could also be a lot of other little things are, are finally coming together and going right. And this, this QB change and, and play color change just helped put them over the top. Now, let's remember they beat Ottawa and Hamilton. Right? Yeah. I, I sort of made that point in a reply on Twitter. And the problem is like instantly the person I'd replied to. And I, wasn't, I actually wasn't being a dick there. Come on. Because, <laughs> well, I mean, believe me, like we'll, we'll get into it. But like if there are positive vibes around like at all around the remaining Elks fans, like it's the opposite in Calgary right now, which again, oh, like, they've, they've lost two overtime games. Like they've, I genuinely don't think that their record is indicative of, of, of who they are as a team. And there's a chance that they go on a run, but I can't deny the record. Um, but fans are mad or, and like fans are not used to this level of, of just sort of mediocrity, I guess. And I, I just said, like, I was like, okay, well, Labor Day, it's not, but let's remind ourselves. And then immediately the Ticats went out and beat the Lions. Right. So, like, <laughs> because you know, it's the CFL. Because it's the CFL. <laughs> and people rightly pointed out that the Red Blacks also beat the Stampeders, which is true. Okay. So um, I, I do think, like, we have a sort of intriguing Labor Day matchup. But, I mean, you haven't even brought it up yet. And this disappoints me because at 11 a.m. this morning, I checked my email. And according to... Pro Football Focus. Not only was Trey Ford one of the the monthly honor roll players around the entire CFL, he was the top quarterback. But the Edmonton O O line, yeah, gets gets PFF. I'm asking this like not at all facetiously. Is that deserved? Because I like there's a lot of times when I just don't get what's going on with PFF. I refuse to buy into PFF until they get me full time, consistent, normal stats. Why? Yeah. Why does? PFF doing all this over analysis and and we're stuck not being able to look up last year's stats on week seven or whoever. It's it's too much, man. But 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 you're right. I mean, my issue with PFF is that effectively, like it's every play you get a grade from I think it's minus two to two. And what that misses is like that is great for a coaching evaluation, right? Like you are as a coach, you are trying to value it. But when it comes to like this stuff like CFL honor roll, like player of the month, player of the week, which is what this honor roll stuff is. What it misses is that a 90 yard catch with two minutes left in the game is a bigger play than a defensive lineman doing well on one different play, right? Like there's, there's context that's just missing. So what we're actually doing is on some level diminishing the big plays, which this league is built on big plays. Yeah. So, um, and like this is no knock on Julian Hauser, a guy I covered, but like in week, week one or two, he was one of the he like the, the players of the week when like he didn't have a sack. I know he did, like he played well. He I guess he did some, based on the grading system, but the grading system missed that the defensive line wasn't actually getting all that much pressure on, um, on the and and didn't get sacks and it, it lost in the game. Like I, it, it it's just it misses that context in terms of who was the best this week because the best I, is about big plays. I get it. What would you prefer, Danny? Just from what you've seen, your time covering this league and just sports in general and, and, and football elsewhere, would you rather have consistent pressure all game long or six sacks that just happened to you know break the walls down on the O-line and, and they finally got to the guy? Consistent pressure. Me like, too, buddy. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. 
I mean, that's that's the unfair question that was sort of asked always about Sean Lemon. It was like, mm. oh, well, is he only getting – Is there? and, like, it's not actually fair. Sean Lemon is an elite defensive end, but people when, – when the debate was up last year, oh, should this guy be most outstanding defensive player, the argument against him was like, oh, well, on the other side of the Stamps defensive line, Ormolade has way more pressures, mm-hmm. and Lemon just gets the sacks. And it's not fair to Lemon because he also gets the pressures, and I, I, I think that that's an unfair example. But, no, I mean, I am far more interested in – like the idea is not necessarily like the yards that you lose getting sacked. The idea is how much do you throw the quarterback back off their game? Yes. Get inside. You hit him in the mind for the body and it it's going to go your way. For exactly. Sure. And I mean, I think that luck, that's always the thing. It's why for me right now, like when I include the pass knockdowns and we don't, I mean, the stats thing is so frustrating. We don't have mm. pressures, obviously. And even in a normal year, we don't have pressures, but like for me, Willie Jefferson, whatever like right now is is the most outstanding defensive player because he has the sacks but he also has the knockdowns and i've seen him play and he just like uses his height uses his speed and strength to just completely take over one side of the the field um and and quarterbacks don't seem like have real trouble just manipulating the pocket and knowing what to do when you have him there i think he's the play after play after play he is the he's a force that it doesn't matter if Matthew Betts is leading the league in sacks, Willie Jefferson right. does more on every different play. Yeah. After Matthew Betts did basically nothing his first year in Vancouver, right? I mean, when he was here, he was brand, brand new out of the draft. And then, you know, it takes guys, you can't just write guys off. And and a lot of people are quick to um, because you have, you know. You especially can't write off Canadian guys in their first yes. year or two, right? Like they are playing against a higher caliber of of opponent they are playing more games i mean that's a big part of it right like um we were looking clark barnes before he got hurt here in calgary i thought i had him in part because i have no idea who else is a rookie because it's impossible to figure out in this stupid league Um, but 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 they announced who can be the the designated imports and and all the new now new things to go on with that but you're right well, like I spent the first half of the season, I was like, well, it's Clark Barnes, but if Austin Mack is a rookie, it's obviously, well, no, Austin Mack's played NFL games, so he is not. Right. He is not a rookie. So I actually have no idea, but my whole thing was I was like, well, Clark Barnes, but then I was also looking and I was like, this guy played something like 14 games in his entire U Sports career, yeah. and he'd played eight. I was like, there's going to have to be a drop-off here. Like, it's just basically impossible to hold up your body. You see it in the NHL. You see it in every league when guys go from playing a shortened schedule to a long schedule, but then Clark Barnes got a herd in him. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Pretty sure it's out for the year, so it doesn't matter. Oh, boy. Um, are there rookies on the Elks who I should be paying attention to since we're just oh my gosh, going the, here, the there, entire, and everywhere? The entire second, almost, uh, uh, you know, being facetious, but, you know, Chris Jones brought in a lot of new guys, especially last year. I think, what was there? Uh, 96, I believe the number was, heading into the final week of the of their regular season. They had a bye in week 21. But, uh, yeah, 96 different jerseys on guys who were either brought in or on an injured list and just – insane we'd see guys get flown in uh thrown into a starting role even that week and then you know if if they didn't didn't live up to expectations of, of their gm and head coach they were right gone the next week so uh it was wild but uh you know this year it, it's been a lot less of that but still new new faces and now it, it didn't help that you know grimes was hurt and ed ganey got hurt for a long time and stuff like that but that and now luchez purifoy who was who was a gift i mean talk about it all-star yeah defensive back just landing in your lap at a free agency like that 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 right there doubled their amount of all-stars they had on the team because you know uh, jake serezna was the only one actually in green and gold last year uh, but yeah so i mean injuries have really really hurt that secondary now i'm not blaming <laughs> you know all their problems on these these young kids they got in because they're they're skilled and and you know technically sound young kids but you know, that experience is sorely lacking. And I mean, we're halfway through the year now. Uh, so they have a lot of experience and, and uh, you know, some of these guys are coming back. So it could be, it could be good. It could be better than what we've seen in, in years past. Now I know, I know Trevor Harris, when he was still quarterbacking the Alex, he came in and, uh, and, and I just still don't know what happened on Labor Day, but uh, Edmonton came away with a, a rare win from all the ones I've seen. That was the COVID season, right? That was 2021. 2021 coming right out of it. So yeah, so uh, I mean, I'd like to say anything can happen, but uh, yes, I understand Calgary fans are mad, frustrated, upset, but the, hey, just the perfect time to bring in the worst recorded team in the division for back-to-backs and and see if they can turn themselves around here. How about how about the Battle of Alberta having a combined five wins, you know, hitting the the midway mark here, right? When when they say the the season doesn't start until Labor Day, I mean, the Alberta teams apparently took that seriously this year because they. I mean, maybe they'll get going, but it, it's, it's well, it's so funny because like 2016, I mean, 2016, the Labor Day Classic was my first ever mm. CFL game as like a full time reporter. But like 2017 and 2018, at that point, the Stamps were like pretty much established as the best team in the league by that point. If they'd lost a game, it was one game maximum yeah. two. Like they were yeah. so far. And you know, when you're in that position, you laugh off. The whole season doesn't start till Labor Day because you're like, they don't take our wins away. <laughs> Today, there was a lot of like, well, they do say that the season doesn't start until Labor Day. <laughs> um, and I mean, but it's been the thing. And like, 
I, I will maintain with the Stampeders that like going back to the end of July, I looked at their schedule and they had Toronto, BC, Winnipeg, Toronto. Mm-hmm. They were at the time, what, two and five. And I thought it was conceivable that they would lose all four. Those are, those were the best teams in the league. And then right. I was like, but at least they have those two games against the Elks. And like, that's sort of where you two games in the Elks, then a bye week and you can sort of, you, you got to win a bunch after that. Like that's what it comes down to. You got to, you, you can get to the eight or the seven or eight wins that you're going to need to make the playoffs. Now they won one of those games. They have these two. So if they're five and eight coming out of the labor to get day games, you're in okay shape. The issue is, as you said it, Hamilton beating BC surprised yeah. me yeah. and Sask beating BC surprised me. So like, all of a sudden the two teams that like you have to beat one of those teams in the standings yeah. Yeah. and it's a real issue. Um, so they like, they're pretty open. Like they have to sweep. Uh, and I, but Dickinson blatantly said the same thing. He said like, so do the Elks. So I, I think that the stamps have begun to, to look at, look at the Elks and say, like it or not, these guys have won two games. Right. And I, in a, I, in a row for the first time since that 2021 Labor Day classic, that was, that was the last time they won back to back two years ago. That's and, wild, eh? Yeah. And, and, and finally, getting rid of that 22 game home losing streak. Finally, you know, almost four years later. Um, was I there, mean, where was the parade? Was it like down Jasper Ave? Like where? You know what? You joke, but they, they doused their head coach in, in the Gatorade tub, right? I mean, that, I mean, oh man. I mean, yeah. I mean, that was big. Cause now, now they don't get asked every home game. What about this, you know, blank? stretch of, of losses right i mean it so okay can i ask yeah let's say they win they 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 win on monday like the elks beat calgary what would you like would you expect at this point a bump in attendance for the rematch oh man attendance is a complete other animal um although but like eddie Steele, i had him on a couple weeks ago to talk yeah. about cooey and eddie was like the fans will come back if the if they start winning yeah. Um, yeah. and my thing is like you win three in a row plus a Labor Day classic. Like, is that enough? It's, you know what? It's, it's not enough to do the damage that's been done both by the club and, and by the league and their, uh, you know, this football ops cap, I'll, I'll say it again. It, it makes it hard for teams to turn around when it's, when it's hard enough. Normally, uh, you, you make a bad decision. Now you're stuck with it and those compound, you try and get out of it and, and, and just. It's tough, man, and, and it certainly, in my mind, has affected attendance here. Yeah. Three three wins is not going to do it. Labor Day is 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 not. I mean, yeah, it's still big, but it's it's not the draw it was up here. Everybody, everybody's looking ahead to Oilers training camp in yep. you know, five days after that. Um, but you know what? We'll get the fans back and and raise some eyebrows. Is a young QB, Canadian at that, Trey Ford, who runs around, makes it exciting. God, he's exciting. A lot more fun to watch than what they've been doing over the first half of the season on their way to 0 and 9. And you know what? It that that is what sells tickets in my mind. Um and the fact that he's Canadian is, is just a, a boost. I man, I will admit it. Nathan Rourke last year when when he was healthy in, in the whole first half was was must see TV for me. I was glued to BC Lions games. I could not believe what I was seeing and and the kid's a winner and it's fun to watch and and yeah he's you know taking a practice squad spot in the nfl not yet of course that was going to happen that's just that's just what we have to put up with up here but well, man just to to see 
a couple of Canadians emerged like that. And this and this kid went through the U Sports system. Yep. And and that is in itself not something we've seen in a long, long time. There's there's gotta be a way to capitalize on that, to be perfectly honest with you. Like there's gotta be a way of promoting that. And I, you know, you you bring it up and it's not something I've thought about. So this is sort of off the dome a little bit, but like that's not getting talked about enough. Like we right. spent decades waiting for a Canadian quarterback to come in and start. Like it was a Andrew Buckley would start like the last game of the year right. for the Stampeders. And it was a big national story. A Canadian yeah. quarterback is starting. And now we have actual guys who are like not only winning the position, but like improving their team, two of them in a, in a year. That's Amazing. insane. Amazing. And I was like, you know, with Nathan Rourke, and I mean, this is just me agreeing with you, but I mean, the 41-40 win that they had over the Stampeders at McMahon, like might be his like calling card right. game. Right. And that was one of those games where the hype had been building. And like, I, I go back to like Linsanity in the NBA. Yeah. I don't, like he had a couple games and then he beat Toronto. And then I like, and then I believe he had the Lakers next, but it was like the hype built and then he delivered. Yeah. That, was, that was the fun thing about Nathan Rourke. It was like, oh, well, look at what this guy's doing. And gradually one by one, we all start paying attention. And then that game against Calgary, like he tore them apart. Yeah. And it was like me covering the other team was just watching being like, there's no way he's doing this. And yeah. he did it and just did everything yeah. and was spectacular. And, you know, bummer seeing him get waved. But with Trey Ford, like, I don't I don't yeah. think either of us are saying Trey Ford is on Nathan Rourke's level. But I am saying that from a marketing perspective, I don't think it's that dissimilar. And when you spend decades waiting for a Canadian quarterback yeah. and you get one, yeah, throw, and, some, throw some muscle behind that. And he starts getting some wins behind him, and it'll happen naturally like that. Like, you know. CFL clubs try and manufacture all the excitement in the world, especially in a place like it might work in, in Winnipeg and, and Regina, but trying to do that in a, in a big cavernous Commonwealth stadium, man, trying to, I mean, they could pipe in crowd noise and, and nobody would fall for it. Right. Like it, it, it just, it doesn't fit, but when you get a guy actually something to cheer for and root for and, and maybe sell some jerseys for this guy, cause I still see Ricky Ray jerseys more than anything. Now. And it's been, it's been 12 years. It's amazing. Uh, years since that trade, eh? That's one. Um, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, um, I mean, like I, this. I I don't I don't know how much how hyperbolic I'm being here, but like honestly, it, it's debatable that nothing matters other than your quarterback when it comes to marketing. Like I know from I don't pay attention to my numbers despite sort of the bosses wanting us to, but like I know with Bo, it was like in a in a slow week. Yeah. Where no one like midsummer, no, just write about Levi Mitchell's story because people are gonna yeah. write it. We're yeah. gonna read it, right? Like, um, the, the quarterback just for me, the only thing that gets me flames numbers with my stamp stories is writing with the quarterback. Absolutely. And when you have a Trey Ford who, as far as I can tell, also seems like an affable sure. good interview. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially compared to Taylor Cornelius. Now I hate to dump on the guy again, but when he came in, it was two, three word answers last year. Yeah. And, well, two years ago. I mean, this is his third year in the league. It's hard to. It seems like such a different guy when when Jamie Ailes onto his head coach here and brought him up from the XFL. And and I mean, it, his backup was Dakota Prukop, who could talk your ear off. And then you get the starter in there, and and it's just like, you sh you sure this is the guy who you want taking snaps? Because we liked him. But uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, Trey Ford isn't in that like deer in the headlights in front of the cameras and, and Mike's face um he's he's just a, a, a personal guy and you know maybe come off as a little bit cocky but i don't think that's a bad thing when your team has been flatlined for so long 
I don't want a quarterback who lacks in confidence. Right. Right. Yeah. And yes, Chris Jones has had to say, uh, yeah. So Trey Ford didn't like the play calling wanted to be a little more aggressive. And, and Chris Jones is saying stuff like, uh, I'd like to see him execute what he's asked and maybe stay in your lane sort of thing. So, but I, I don't, I don't hate that. He's trying to push the envelope a little bit. And, no, and I don't mind a little bit of tension there either. Right. For sure. Um, do you have any, like there was always the idea that it took Chris Jones a season to get to get his team and it has now sort of been a season and a half the problem is that i i did i opened up the elk schedule in front of me right and like i forgot that they've already played 11 games so there actually yeah. isn't that much time to turn this around no there's not no and you start doing the math and it, and especially with hamilton's win the, the night before they finally won at commonwealth it's like is this is this a moot point is this all i mean is the celebration over with that that one gatorade bath that their head coach got because yeah. four four wins now for Hamilton, seven games remaining for the Elks. You start doing the math, it's like, and they got to finish ahead. They got to finish ahead of Hamilton and finish fourth in the West, which is, yeah. I mean, both of those things. If one of them happens, like good luck. But they need they need it all to go their way. Um, so you ask them if if they're even thinking about doing the math at this point, and they give you the one game at a time, six inches in front of their face answer, which I guess it has to be at this point. I mean. Yeah, if they are building for next year. At least they're not 0 and 11 at this point, right? No, is there is a week 21 this year, right? So uh, do they have a bye week to, to end the season? They have a bye week to end the season again. Yeah, that's too bad because that Winnipeg game in week 20. If that's week 21, if it's the last game of the year, you assume that the Bombers are going to rest some guys. But the second to last week, the Bombers still have work to do. They're still going to be trotting out a, yeah. a competitive team. Edmonton killed themselves in the schedule they signed off on this year because they've had so many opponents coming off of buys and just, I mean, everything's working against them. And yes, they're terrible in the first place, but boy, you think, I mean, if I'm, if I'm GM, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm asking for another redo of the schedule at that point. And, and you bring up another one I didn't even thought of, which is, which is the week 21, you know, back-to-back buys. And, and their first buy wasn't until week eight, again this year just like last year and you kind of got to wonder what if that was week five or six and they made some changes then right i don't and maybe they wouldn't have who knows who, who well, knows the stubbornness that, that went in behind you know keeping things stand pat for as long as they did here and that's the thing like this is not meant as sort of excuse or explanation making but like the stamps by week was week four um mm-hmm. which is basically canada day and like, so it's now been two months and it, obviously it's been pretty up and down two months, but like they got Monday and Tuesday completely off. And it's, to be honest, what I wrote about today, like the guys just seemed different. Like they needed a little bit of time just to sort of mentally get away from it. And, you know, like the, the timing of your bye weeks does, I, I don't necessarily know that it matters in terms of wins and losses. Like really, I don't know that you could quantify that, but I do think, you know, they had to play Toronto in Toronto last week with Toronto coming off of like that stuff. It, 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 yeah. it can make a difference. Maybe not. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, especially when, I mean, we're not allowed to talk about a position a guy's changed to, right? We just have to say in the secondary sort of thing. So, so, you know, the, the football ops and coaches and uh, I mean, they're so paranoid about all that little stuff. Yes. A, a bye week coming off a bye week against an opponent is, is a big deal yeah. for sure. 
I mean, I can sort of talk about the position changes. The stamps don't. Today, uh, it was brought to my attention that there was a play against Toronto where there were four stamps who were injured. Um, and, like, the coaches were like, we do not want to appear to be making excuses. Do not do not ask us about it. And I was like, I get it, and I respect it. Like, I genuinely do. But I was also like, I mean, it does explain what happened on that play. Right, um, right. But did you know well, – we only got a couple more minutes here, but did you know that uh, – these teams, the Labor Day Classic, they're tied 30, 30, and 1. Is that is that a fact? Yeah, yeah. like the CFL sent there this week in the CFL email, and Calgary has won nine of the last 10 Labor Day Classics. Um, this is the 62nd time playing. Calgary will play host for the 58th, and the series is tied 30, 30, and 1. You know what? That's amazing. You know what else is interesting? Take a look at their all-time wins and loss records. I don't mean against each other, but Calgary is slowly creeping up on Edmonton's all-time win percentage. And Which sort of doesn't surprise me, just given if you look at... The thing is, it's not like Edmonton's been bad for the last 30 years, but like Calgary has generally been good for like 12 to 13 oh, wins. The Huffnagel, the Huffnagel era has been second to none in my mind. Uh, and the Wally Bono era, right? Yeah. But regular season, consistency, knowing what you're going to get, from an opponent coming in, uh, I, I I mean, and especially after Calvillo left Montreal, it was, uh, but even before that, man, Huff, the Huffnagel era in Calgary has been, and, and there have been a lot of good times down there, but I, I'm just speaking consistently, and it's, it goes back to sacks versus pressures. I would rather have, you know, that slow burn. It's weird to see Calgary from up here, outside looking in, uh, going through, a quarterback transition like no other I've seen them go through before. Uh, and, and it, and it is growing pains and I understand the fans are frustrated down there, but uh, man, it doesn't compare to, to up here when Taylor Cornelius is getting booed off his own home field. Yeah. And uh, like, there's and no it, one, there's no one who defends Jake Mayer more than me in part, just because like, I honestly think that young quarterbacks struggling is predictable yeah. and like, Oh, well, Bo Levi Mitchell didn't struggle. Well, well, maybe not every quarterback is Bo Levi Mitchell. Like, let's not forget that he was on a historic pace for the first five or six or seven years of his career. There was nothing wrong with Drew, Drew Tate when he took over either. Drew no. Tate was, was perfectly fine. It's like, why are they doing it? Oh, I see. So, yeah. yeah. So, so interesting. Uh, the Trey Ford question in my mind is how, yes, he's, yes, he's athletic, runs a 4.4540. Yes, he can complete balls. Yes, he can he can run the RPO. Yes, he can be the spark plug they need. Can he endure it all? Because let's remember, last year he came out of his very first win and very first CFL start in Hamilton, and Calgary just punished him. I can't even remember if he made it out of the first quarter. If it was, it was just barely. He threw so, an absolute bomb. Like it was like an incredible throw where I would like I hadn't obviously seen him play live, and I was like. Oh wow, this guy's spout and then he was hurt on that play. Yeah. Yeah. Like it yeah. might have been the second series. Like it was it was very early um in the game. And like again, the thing though is when you know you have a guy like Trey Ford and you're like, all right, this is who we're building around, yeah. now is the time to do the single hardest thing that there is to do in Canadian football, which is build the O line. Yeah. And um, I mean, apparently they're the PPF. Uh, apparently. Players. Yeah, which I genuinely again um yeah. I, I laugh at a little bit, but you know. If you have again, if you have the quarterback and you have the O line, like you can find receivers. You genuinely can find receivers. And like my thing with Jake has been, I I, I think that he's been under too much pressure, mm -hmm. and I think that's been a consistent issue. Um, 
I haven't loved the play calling. There's lots, but everyone just when it when it comes to quarterbacks, everyone just decides that every mistake is the quarterback's fault. Right, right, right. right. Um, and like we'll see. I mean, Jake threw four touchdown passes last week. Like he yeah. he didn't throw any interceptions. All the things that people were saying he can't do, he gets. Now it's a young quarterback, so naturally it is going to take you know time to find that consistency back. But um, yeah. nope, this, I like, this this rivalry is no joke, man. The Labor Day Classic is absolutely no joke. There there is uh, beyond uh, wins and loss. It is a pride thing, especially since it's played down there every year. Calgary is not going to want to give this up. They're not going to want to lose to a terrible Edmonton team. I mean, yes, they've stopped the streaks of, of 13 straight losses in a row a couple of weeks ago and, and, you know, 22 losses at home. And everybody knows that's, you know, North American record for badness in all of professional sport, male sports. Uh, the organization needs this so badly because it's not like the Stamps have been very good at home either, right? right have they right. won a home game this year? I don't No, They beat Toronto at home. Um, but, like, they have not been good. They know it matters. They know, like, yeah, I, I said this in my intro, and I'm trying to not belabor the point because I love Labor Day. Like, this is the one where, like, unequivocally, as a media member, I'm willing to just say it. Like, I love covering this game. I love the weekend. You're going to be coming down for the weekend. Yeah. Um, it is asinine that this game starts at 5 o'clock. I know. I know. Like, this I know. is traditionally a place where people from Red Deer, from Lethbridge, from Madison yeah. Hat might come in, yeah. even people down from Edmonton. And now the game is going to be ending at 8. You're not getting back to Edmonton until really late on on labor day when like the kids are probably in school i i just think it's a and i'm not gonna say who i assume made this decision but um this is a game that should be starting at two o'clock every year um, and the argument that oh well a bunch of calgarians are coming back from their cottage or from their cabin i apologize it's alberta um no nah, man not like <laughs> there's a lot of people who can be there by two o'clock if they're at the cabin like yeah. it's a, a, two to five there's not that much of an advantage what there is is a disadvantage in terms of people wanting to you know to 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 be in bed at a reasonable hour yeah. you know so i hate it but otherwise i'm really forward to this weekend man yeah are we gonna see the jet fly is that this is that this weekend? that is yeah it is um my impression is they're going all out i had heard that there had been some controversy regarding um regarding the jet not from a stamps perspective but from potentially you don't uh, say. yeah but I, I said that on twitter at one point and was called out for it and i have no proof so i'm not gonna push too hard but i uh there, there's a story there that i was told that edmonton wanted their own flyover and that it basically came down to either neither of you get it or you guys have to negotiate and that there was some unhappiness regarding that but i have no idea i genuinely don't that's just a rumor that i heard and you know who loses in that whole back and forth bickering everybody fans buddy and me and you can't i mean i love it i love all that's surrounding it labor day is where it's at and i'm so glad i'm uh gonna be actually traveling to a, a road game this year sick buddy i hope to get to edmonton i've got to figure it out okay i have <laughs> i have stuff going on just like I have a major purchase that I may be looking to make in the next couple of weeks. So I don't know that it's the right time for me to come up to Edmonton. Um, but you know, we'll let, we'll, we'll leave that for an off air conversation. So, uh, buddy, thank you so much for the time, man. This was way okay. longer than the half hour that I asked of you. So thank you. Happy to do it. Okay. That's Jerry Motojong. Cheers guys. What are you doing tonight? I don't know what you're doing tonight. You're probably looking for something. Guys, you got to go check out Mike's Pub. This is probably my favorite pub in the city. 1330 15th Avenue Southwest right in the Beltline. 
Honestly, they do it all. I, for years, played trivia on Wednesday nights at Muggs. It's the best trivia night in the city. Other nights, they got music. They got specials every single night. Some of the best food and drink specials in the entire city are at Muggs Pub. You want wine. You want beer. You want cocktails. They got it all. Big fan of their fish and chips. They got some amazing pizza. You want to watch the game? They got TV screens. You want to just have a drink with friends? Perfect spot to do it. You want to have some food? As I said, it's delicious. Muggs Pub. We love having them as a sponsor. We love having them just down the road from us here at our studios. Check out Mugs Pub. They're the best. All right. Thank you to Jerry Motorjong. Thank you to Mugs Pub. Thank you to Fraser and Fig. We love our sponsors. And thank you to you, the listeners. Honestly, I hope my enthusiasm has come across. It's sometimes hard when you're talking, you know, outstampeters right now. Neither team has a big win. Uh, that's not true. Neither team has a winning record right now. So, you know, there are people who are going to look and say that this isn't much of a game. But as we talked about, man, there's lots at stake here, particularly, I think, for the Stampeders. The Elks would really need to win both and then still get a little bit of luck to fully be back in the playoff hunt. But it's not out of the question. So, um, yeah, that's going to be super fun. You know, what are you going to say? Bombers, Riders, I'm going to watch that game every time. Argos, Ticats, going to watch that game every time. And then Lions, Alouettes, quietly a really interesting game where both teams desperately sort of need a win. Uh, to continue sort of proving who they are. So, yeah, fun weekend in the CFL. It's the best. It's Labor Day. You guys don't need me to say that. Um, just, I'm thrilled. It's finally this time of the year. You know, marks the end of the summer, the start of fall, but I love fall. I, you know, I love this weekend. So, thank you again for listening. Thank you to Jerry. Thank you for our sponsors. We'll see you next time. I'm not sure when our next episode is dropping. Just with the Monday game, I, I do have to sort of figure that out. But, you know, one way or another. We'll come at you as quickly as we can. Hopefully get Ian Busby on here to chat a little bit. We'll see. I have no idea. I haven't played that far ahead, but thank you for listening, guys. This is Live from the 55. I'm Danny Austin. Please let your friends know. Like and subscribe. All that. Thanks. Bye.